welcome to Come to Your Senses, the School of Sensual Living podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through topics like pleasure, beauty, embodiment, femininity, art, somatic healing, mindfulness, and of course, everyday sensuality. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am so excited to invite you to step into the guest star salon as I introduce you to my friend and colleague, Allison Post. Allison is the author of The Gut Wellness Guide, which is a book that profoundly changed my life and changed my relationship to my body. Allison is an integrative medicine health coach and somatic educator. She has taught courses over four decades in the modalities of massage, breath, and body work, and has helped thousands of adults and children with chronic illness, digestive discomfort, and physical challenges. She helps people through the transitions of things like pregnancy, birth, chronic stress, menopause, aging, grief, loss, and trauma. As I record this intro, I've got my hand on my belly and I'm breathing into it. And this is a skill that I learned from Allison that has not only changed my relationship to my own abdomen, but has changed my relationship to my intuition, to how I feel about this part of my body and the level of depth and connection that I feel to this gut instinct. And so I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. Enjoy. Okay, so welcome, Allison. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I was sharing with Allison uh, before we started recording that she's a bit of a celebrity in my eyes and in true celebrity fashion. She humbly uh, said that her least aspiration in life is to be a celebrity. (laughs) And so I'm so, so grateful um, because I've read your book. I, your book really, really changed my life and really, really uh, changed my relationship to my body um, as a woman who has a history of disordered eating and a relationship to the belly that was very, very fraught with separation. It really created such an immensely powerful union between me and this power center of my body and my creativity and really my femininity. And so I just want to start by saying I'm so, so grateful to you for your work in general and for being a guest here today. Well, thank you. And that makes my heart sing because that's why um, we wrote book. So the book is called The Gut Wellness Guide. And gut wellness is, you know, for the last several years has been quite trendy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love how in the introduction of your book, you talk about how you, when you were at, when you're at a party and people ask you what you do, sometimes you'll respond health coach, but you know, that really the essence of your work is that you teach people how to breathe, how to relax, and how to be happy through this medium of unwinding the belly. And I know you have a powerful story as it regards to that. So would you tell us a little bit about just what brought you to this work? 
Sure. And I will try to make it brief because it's my whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, it actually, when I was five years old, my head went into the side of a washing machine mm-hmm. and I had a hole in my head and I got a brain injury. Um, and they quickly took me to the doctor and he shoveled it back into my head and he sewed it up. Wow. And from up until five years old, besides having being a breech birth <laughs> with mm-hmm. the cord wrapped around my neck and having a mama who loved sugar. So I was colic and all, you know, I had that kind of, I was born in 56. So it was very different back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from being a very active, um, moving slender child to being kind of a couch potato and being falling asleep in the car and, and having metabolic issues. So it started at five for me, but I didn't really realize that until I was in my forties and started to see an osteopath who said, Oh, you have scar tissue in your hypothalamus, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so it, it kind of brought me on a journey of always kind of dealing with my weight, dealing with how I felt about my body, dealing with belly aches and agita and, you know, and then I had a very stressful childhood. Um, early, I was very young when my parents got divorced, my sister has a mental illness. So stress also Mm -hmm. came in. So I not only had the physical injuries and the gut problems, but I had the stress related, which I actually think doubled and tripled everything for me. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, and I was a singer, so I knew how to breathe and I knew how to find joy. Um, and then I had a Dalcon shield, which was an IUD. And unfortunately the IUD um, was taken off the market, but not until I had had it in my body for a year and a half. And it killed 18 women historically, and it um, it really took the right of bearing children for millions of women and create wow. wreaked havoc in their lives. I ended up at 19 in my second semester of college, hooked up to IV antibiotics for five weeks because I had such profuse scar tissue happening as a result of pelvic inflammatory disease, and so. Uh, they saved my life, uh, which I am eternally grateful for. But basically, I was let out of the hospital with, you know, sadness of, well, you know, you're going to have a problem for the rest of your life. But I'm never one to take a, oh, I have to deal with that, or that's the way it is. I've always been an anti-authoritarian. So I just said, no, you know, I'm going to figure this out. And I put down my tennis racket, and I took up yoga. It had just been a new thing really in our country. And people thought I was a little weird, but I loved it. And it helped me breathe. And from there, I just spent, uh, you know, till now I'm still, I still study at 65. And I still feel like I'm 25. Um, Much better now than when I was 25. Because Breath, movement, and being in in your body, with your body, brings youth. Mm. It brings grace. It brings freedom. And the possibilities are endless. 
So even though I had, I was dragged a little bit and there were things that were very challenging, I just took the challenge and I took the dive. And as I saw what I could do for myself, including having a normal body, um, I decided at 30 that I, or in my late 20s, that I needed to help people find this. Um, that even though I loved the theater and I love singing just about more than anything except for kissing my husband, um, <laughs> um, that's how much I love singing. I felt that I just wanted to help and serve because there were too many people in pain that didn't need to be there. And mm -hmm. so I've had a 35 plus year bodywork temple, as I call it, and I've helped people move through being stuck in the diagnosis, in the prognosis, and finding their joy and being able to move and breathe and dance and sing and, and have a more normal life. Did I ever have children? No. You know, mm -hmm. um, did, do I have some things that I contend with? Yes, but I... I learned how to be in complete gratitude to have what I have and I I have a beautiful life. So I I just always want to offer that. And that's why in 2003, we wrote our first book, Unwinding the Belly. And we wanted to put it out again and add much more to it, which is what the Gut Wellness Guide is. It's mm -hmm. kind of a remake of Unwinding the Belly. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot of times that the gut is like a second brain. And that was really my experience in reading your work and reading Unwinding the Belly, the first version of the Gut Wellness Guide. Because all of a sudden, I became aware of this level of intelligence that due to shame and stress and dairy intolerance and you know, as a kid being sick all the time, having mono multiple times and mm. weakened immune system and just, you know, the, the belly held so much, so much. And the idea that I could circulate new, fresh energy and soften and relax these organs just gave me such a sense of empowerment and access to this part of my body where I, I think for my whole life, I just felt like, my brain operates on top of my head and my organs are like in a warehouse in the Bronx somewhere, <laughs> you know, like they just felt so separate. I could not conceive of their actual presence in my body and the practices in your book really helped me to connect with that. And so I love the way that, that when you're talking about connecting with the belly and unwinding the belly, what I noticed that you're not saying is, all of the health benefits, all of the physiological benefits, you're basically saying you get to be more of who you are. Yes. Yes. And I wonder if you could just kind of speak to that a little bit and that, that transformation for you. Well, there is a lot of noise out here in the world. And it's very interesting the way you framed that. You know, you know, it's like a, your head is in somewhere else and mm -hmm. um, even in another town. And that's kind of what happens to us because there's a common sense, as I think I say in the book, 
um, there are outside forces of consciousness and the, the conscious reasoning takes over. Your head says, oh, I have to do this. I should do this. And it hears what's out there and it follows a truth out there or the truth of somebody else or the noise or the fear or whatever is being created out there. And we can't hear ourselves. So if you slow down and if you start actually being inside your own breath, which is very challenging at first because the rhythms you've taken on are from outside of you. And so at the start of it, sometimes it can be quite frightening or unnerving or uncomfortable. Um, and you might need somebody else's heartbeat that's slower and kinder to be there with you, mm -hmm. um, an anchor, so that you can start to feel yourself, depending on what your experience of life has been. But once you start to slow down and you feel your own heartbeat and you feel your own breath, you settle into the world of your physiology and your vitality and you can follow then your intuition. That's what I feel intuition is. It's your breath because it comes from you, from your heart and from your belly. And it's not confused with everybody else's words and thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that's what our breath, that's what gut instincts are. I mean, we could talk, of course, about neurotransmitters and physiology, but the bottom line is, is that the stress, and we know that now, I mean, I have been talking about this for decades, and now even Western medicine saying, oh no, stress creates body problems. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not all in your head, which is what they used to say, or give you an antidepressant, right? Mm -hmm. It actually infects the very way all your chemistry works. Um, you, everything works. And so when you can slow it down and just be you, you can move forward um, just to express yourself in, in the right way for you. And so there's no conflict. And you know when it's a no or a yes. You mm -hmm. know immediately like, oh, this tastes delicious. Or, wow, this is not good for me. It doesn't feel good when I even swallow it. You can feel yourself tasting and swallowing. You can feel yourself lying down at night and relaxing into sleep. You can feel yourself when somebody speaks to you and it resonates or not. Mm -hmm. You can respond instead of react. So mm -hmm. I think really that's what breathing and but it's not only breathing because we don't want to do breathing. This is what happens so often in our world. We're given exercises. Breathe four, seven, eight. <laughs> you know, yeah. breathe in for four, hold for seven, breathe out for eight. It's like, well, what about individually learning where your breath is and letting it lead the way? Yeah. How can you become you be before, again, you become a technique? And so this is how we develop our way of doing things, each individual person. Um, and then the exercises are fabulous. <laughs> mm -hmm. But until we get to be who we are again, 
and unwind from the injuries, from the misalignments, from the fears, um, by becoming ourselves and slowing down. Then we, you know, that we can climb Mount Everest, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's something I so appreciate about your approach is that, you know, I had no idea how much tension I was holding in my belly and in my chest, trying to breathe right, (laughs) Right. you know, and using all these techniques that I had learned in yoga and in breath work and how actually applying a technique without that baseline layer of relaxation can, can really actually increase the level of anxiety and tension. Absolutely. Yes. It's actually, it can be dangerous. Yeah. Um, you know, part of the reason why Stephen and I decided to write our first book was because a lot of the training that we had, which is, was beautiful, and I'm so appreciative of it. I love all my teachers. But sometimes I felt I was just being pushed too far or mm-hmm. there was a goal. And, um, you know, it did bring me to some realization, but th- I, I'm not really one for healing crises. I do want to have challenges and I have hiked, you know, a, a trail in Japan from guest house to guest house for eight or nine hours at 64 years old. You know, it's not like I don't push myself. I think it's wonderful to make great effort in your life, but not unless, until you have that baseline of actually being able to feel what's really going on in your body. Because if you run that marathon and you have adrenal fatigue or you're exhausted or you've been doing too much, you'll tank. I mean, how can we find a way to be quiet enough, which is not something that is encouraged in our culture, um, where we can just be and listen? What a beautiful thing. I mean, just mm-hmm. here, listening to you and the sound of your voice, listening to the quiet in my own room so that I can speak to you without being nervous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 there's just a way to settle, to be in your feet, to be in your, your hips and your pelvis and your breath. You don't even have to know your breathing to be there because breath also is primary. There's a primary breath that happens inside of your body. And until you slow down your respiratory breathing, you don't really get to feel that primary breath, which is your innate health and vitality, your Mm -hmm. innate breath, um, which is what they talk about in all sorts of beautiful traditions like Ayurveda and Taoism and all of these practices they're really talking about innate wisdom and deep primary breath. Well, and when you talk about this innate wisdom and this innate healing, what I really hear you saying is that it's like allowing the actual healing process to occur without interference. Yes, exactly. And that sometimes these exercises and tools and techniques, which can be immensely helpful provide interference. Yes. And when you talk about the primary breath, like I think I've experienced that in doing one of the exercises from your book. I remember 
breathing and the instruction was something around allowing the exterior of the belly, like to breathe so deep from within the belly and so slowly that the flesh of the belly is actually the last thing to rise. (laughs) And I would put my hands on my belly and I would practice with that. And what was amazing about it is that I would notice my lungs responding to that sensation rather than like you talk about the muscles of my chest causing my lungs to expand. And is that what you mean when you say the primary breath? Um, That's part of it. Yes, because it's happening in there without you making it happen. It's happening no matter what. You can just check in with it. We all have a movement from the time we're created embryologically of creating ourselves and healing ourselves. And that is actually a moving fluid that you can see in a slime mold, that you can watch in the ocean, that you can see in the trees. But it does take kind of getting your mind out of the the situation and just sensing. I don't even want to say feeling because, of course, feeling can mean feeling love or feeling anger. Mm -hmm. Sensing sensations of movement within your own body. And once you get really quiet, like when I have somebody on my body work table and I'm doing a craniosacral hold, I'm actually listening to the movement of the cerebral spinal fluid. And as the person relaxes their nervous system and kind of goes into a dream state, the the fluid movement takes on a longer, slower rhythm. And I can feel it inside of them. I can feel it between us. And I can feel it even outside the room. Mm -hmm. So that is universal vitality because we are being fed by our environment. (laughs) We're not separate from it. And so Mm -hmm. you can feel primary breath. It, for me, is the way your fluids and it, 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 its vibration also. It's the vibration around that. It's that electromagnetic energy that goes through your whole body and has cycles because, you know, that's who we are. We operate in cycles and in rhythms. So it's musical and it's um, something that you can sense. It is a very deep thing. Um, and I think people who meditate for years notice it and they consider it their innate vitality. Um, mm-hmm. So that, and, and unwinding it for me is the bridge. It's the bridge to embodiment, you know, mm-hmm. being able to just quiet down, settle in and feel those places that are, are holding you back from that. Those little knots and tangles or, too much cold, too much heat or pain because it blocks you from feeling that innate intelligence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love just the incorporation of all of the bodies in that description of the primary breath, you know, because often there's such a focus on the physical body. um, And I love that interweaving of the emotional body, the mental body, the energetic body into, into that one current of breath. Yeah. 
And I really would love to to talk more about the word unwinding, which I just absolutely love. Um, but first I'd love to ask, like, if I put myself in the position of a listener and with being mindful that um, there's really no easy access, unwind your belly for $9.99 <laughs> kind of <laughs> pathway to this. Like, is there anything that, is there, are there any um, gateways that maybe a person could try to try to access that primal or primary breath in this moment? Yes. Um, one thing I always encourage to start off is to lay down. Um, number one thing, not sit. I'm not a big on sitting. I don't think it's a great position for mm -hmm. the human body. Um, but laying down or standing, but laying down to start off with as the bridge to embodiment, you can relax against the surface that you're lying on. You can start to just feel the weight of your body, which most people don't. They're kind of disembodied or they're floating a little bit um, without even realizing it. Like, where is my body? And, you know, we, we are more in the ground with our feet, with our legs, with our hips, with our lower pelvis. And so just beginning by noticing where your breath is, not doing your breath, not making your breath, but just being curious, like, where is my breath right now? And listen. And as you're laying down and you're just listening, notice the breath could be in your chest, it could be in your throat, it could be in your pelvis. And you just notice where the breath is and you say hello, and then you feel the weight of your body. Notice that your feet are part of your body. You notice that your feet and your ankles start to, to connect. They're not separate. They're three-dimensional, actually. You can feel inside of your feet and inside of your ankles. And then you can feel the weight of your feet and your ankles on the surface that you're lying on. So you're in, you start mm -hmm. to be in, and you do this progressively through your calves and your knees. And you can do it three-dimensionally, you can do it just with weight. Um, if imagination helps you, you can imagine light inside or color or what your bones might look like. And you just keep settling down into your body. I'm sure you don't want me to, I mean, it would take me 20 or 25 minutes at least, <laughs> um, but you go all the way to the head. Mm -hmm. Wow. So rich. And, um, and what I, something that really stood out to me is, is like the listening to yes. the breath and to the body, you know, and a lot of times I know, I notice inside myself this agenda of, I'm going to tune into my breath now so I can get something, you know, so I can relax or I'm going to do a body scan so I don't have to feel this anxiety in my chest or whatever. 
And as I was following along, just that simplicity of listening, it's like it puts puts us back in right relationship because we're witnessing without expectation. That's right. Yeah. Truly. And I think for some people, you know, because that is really when you go to a meditation retreat, that's, that's the welcoming that you do get for your body. That, no expectations, no goals. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty hard when you're sitting in a group of people <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and your legs are crossed and you can't really find the comfort. You know, that's why I offer, do that later. You know, start. Start where you are. I think that's an important concept and learn how to listen because mm-hmm. as we can see in our world, what's happening, you know, outside of this lovely little space you and I are creating here, um, it is really noisy and people are really fighting with each other. And I don't know if they would be doing that to this extreme if they did some nice embodiment <laughs> exercises yeah. um, and really listened because it's hard to be reactive when you have really been inside your body listening. I mean, we all get that way sometimes because, it, you know, somebody almost runs us over. I mean, yeah, there's reasons to be angry or react because you save your own life. We have a brainstem for that reason. You know, we have a, a primitive brain that says, get out of there. But we don't want that on all the time. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. So even for somebody to lay down and do what we've just done is very challenging because it's the next thing. It's the next thing. Or did I read the news yet? Or do I have to be on my phone? Or it's like all of these things that have been encouraged, the speed, the ramping up of everything and the expectations of what we have to be engaged in on a daily mm-hmm. basis now. How can people stay in their bodies with that? They even have to do online banking. I mean, there's no, <laughs> you know what I mean? I know it sounds so silly, but it's like, there's no human to human connection. There's not a lot of flesh connection on, mm-hmm. you know, with the pandemic, of course, touch was put on hold for a while, which mm-hmm. is very challenging. So then we ramp up even more. Yeah. And so, I I just want to invite people to slow it down. And I know you've been inside and on your own, but if you just take a little bit of time every day to go inside, you will find the most beautiful dreamland in there. And then being outside will be that much easier. Mm -hmm. And what I hear also, like I know in, in my own work in embodiment coaching, like what we're really doing is we're slowing down the mind, the body. We're unwinding, to use your um, your word, so that our actions can actually come from a place of depth. Yes. Rather than this arbitrary, excessive direction. So, yes. like that, that direction is really matched by the depth that we feel in the body. Um, and I wonder. You know, as I just feel my own belly in this moment, I'm aware of the uh, well-conditioned part of me that resists its roundness <laughs> and its lumpiness, and and you know, I'm just kind of molding it with my hands as we speak. And 
Um, and I wonder, I know you talk about this a little bit in your book, but um, if someone is perhaps frightened or goes into a fight or flight response, when they come up against that conditioning inside themselves and just that warfare that occurs, um, like I'll just speak from my own experience of like, I should accept myself. No, I should strive for better. And just these binaries that we exist and just kind of how to find our way to the middle when it comes to this natural shape. Yeah. I like the way you call it the natural shape. Can we just pause with that? Please. Beautiful. Please. I mean, it is the natural shape. We are not supposed to be a washboard. We are not supposed to have a flat belly um, ever even when we're little, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or when we become teenagers or when we start, especially as females, um, we're rounded, you know, we're birth people, we're, we give birth, we, we need roundness. We all put the pillow on our belly when we were sitting around. <laughs> I remember that very well as a teenager. Um, but I have to say, it's, it is the chatter from the outside that creates that. It's the fashion magazines. Um, it's what we see visually in our very, well, it's changing, but in our, in my world that I grew up in, it was always, you know, thin is in and flat is where it's at. Um, mm-hmm. And I never really felt that way from being as a young person. I thought, round was kind of beautiful. I think everything's beautiful. I have to say at 65, I feel more beautiful than ever lines Mm -hmm. and all, you know, um, and your belly is, and I'm a a worker outer type person. I I'm very, I created muscles because I love to hike and lift weights and, um, do Pilates and yoga, but it doesn't matter what you do at 65. (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna have a soft belly on and you're just you're gonna so why mm-hmm. not and I like it I look I mean can we spend time with it outside of who's looking at us or outside mm. of the expectations of what's on the front cover of a magazine or what's all over the internet can we actually look at ourselves in the mirror and just go wow that is my life and my vitality. And if you're a, a mama that has given birth, wow, life came forth from me. Mm-hmm. If you're young and you want to have children, wow, that's where life will come from. Or if there will be no children, wow, look at that beautiful belly where I carry everything I need to move. This is where all of that, that, inspiration from movement comes from Mm -hmm. this is where I can dig deep and I can sing from this is where I love from this is where I meet sensually from Mm -hmm. wow how beautiful is that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it is you know it is kind of it's not a withdrawal. It's just, it's again, I said, since I was young, I've been an anti-authoritarian. It's like nobody's right, but you, Mm -hmm. it's your choice. How do you feel? What is your breath really, truly feeling? And if you need support, I mean, 
Mary, that's why you do what you do. You support mm-hmm. women to be able to feel themselves, to be able to look at themselves and understand that their body is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I, yeah. I remember in one of my courses, I used to teach, we would do this meditation and it was called the Muse Meditation. And I would lead uh, women through this meditation of arriving at a studio in Florence and all the textures and the candles and, and that the reason that they were there is because an artist has paid a huge sum of money to paint their portrait for the honor of painting their portrait of their body exactly as it is. And I remember in the movie Frida, um, there's a scene where Selma Hayek, who's, who's playing the character of Frida Kahlo, she goes to a party with um, her future husband, Diego Rivera and Diego's ex-wife is there and he's surrounded by this flock of women. And, you know, they, they make this remark about how, you know, he has this very uncharacter, he's, he's not the handsome Casanova kind of appearance. And yet he attracts, um, much, much attention. And his ex-wife saying like, he sees the beauty in all your imperfections and how intoxicating that is when, um, when we do transcend those ideas about beauty and settle into the essence of beauty. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the loveliest things, um, you know, I've been with my husband, Stephen, who is my co-everything. Yeah. Um, one of the wonderful things he said to me when we first met, and we've been together 37 years, um, was, yeah, I noticed immediately how beautiful you were. But the beauty that I noticed was your intelligence and your heart. Mm-hmm. And what a bonus it was that you were so pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and to this day, because we are in our 60s, he looks at me as if I was still in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he sees... my beauty, you know, he always says, don't go there with the, oh my God, I'm getting old because you just get more and more beautiful. Who says we don't? Mm -hmm. Who made that rule? Sometimes I have a, a, a yoga teacher, Angela Farmer. I don't know if you know her. She's, I think she's 83 now. She has a school in Greece. She was Iyengar's student and she took it into real, into movement Free, free movement, not rigid movement. And she's a phenomenal teacher. If anybody wants to um, learn a new way of doing yoga, mm. she is one of the most physically astoundingly beautiful women I've ever seen in my life at 83. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's what aging can be. Aging is you become more and more of who you are. Your love comes through. Those lines or the gray hair or the soft belly, it's you. It's it's your experiences. It's your love. Um, mm-hmm. And it, once we settle in and we do learn how to just feel those fluids and feel the, the beautiful beat of our heart, and feel how our heart and our breath are actually working together, we, you can't help but 
fall in love with mm-hmm. what's in there and then what's outside. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love that. I love that. And you know, it also brings to mind the way that we don't fall in love with a person's form. We fall in love with their energy. Yes. Um, yeah. And that when we embody this belly as it is, it's like what we're really allowing for is more of our being to occupy more space in our energetic body. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And loving from there. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I'm going to practice that. (laughs) So I am so grateful for this conversation. And I just want to tell our listeners that if you'd like to learn more about Allison and her amazing books and courses, you can go to allisonpost.com. Her book, The Gut Wellness Guide, you can purchase it there. And she also has a wonderful course that I am a student of where in the gut wellness guide, there are, there is just so much information and so many practices. And in her course, she leads you through in a very loving, meditative, gentle way, how to embody these practices. And I have found it has made such a difference, um, in having that ability to be held and be in receivership you know, with the book, of course, you know, there's a, a depth that one can get to by reading and then practicing on one's own, but being led is just a totally different experience. And so you can find out about that on Allison's website. You can also find out about that in the show notes for this episode or at schoolofsensualliving.com slash belly. Thank you so much, Allison, for being our guest today. And thank you so much for your beautiful body of work and just the way that you live it every day. Thank you so much, Mary. For more coaching, classes, and community in the art of sensual living, head to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free course on how to reduce anxiety and increase your natural confidence through powerful embodied body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com confidence to get instant access to the course today.